Thriving in today's fast-paced world of change and disruption requires innovation. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that explores the ins and outs of innovation with raw stories, real insights, and practical advice from the best and brightest in the world of startups and innovation. Each week, we'll bring you the latest ideas in lean startup, design thinking, corporate venture capital, and more. Now, let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Today we've got the great opportunity to interview an author and experienced innovation expert. Uh, Michael Dougherty uh, is the recent author of a book called Collective Disruption, uh, really diving into the idea of how corporations and startups can partner together. Uh, Previous to uh, his work uh, in this arena, Mike has worked with a variety of different organizations. Uh, He's helped Merck, Pfizer, P&G. He's held uh, innovation roles at Sunbeam and Ford and General Electric. Uh, It's it's really a fascinating interview as Mike starts to help us see how corporations can really accelerate their innovation efforts through uh, this idea of collective disruption. And specifically, he starts to talk about uh, ways uh, that, that corporations can go out and find startups to partner with, uh, how corporations can spin out startups, and, and a number of other different uh, types of integration and incubation type methods. Um, so he's got a couple of really great stories, uh, a couple of good case studies in there, as well as some of the trends that he's seen through now almost a decade of focusing on this area of open innovation and collective disruption. So hope you enjoy the show. Let's get into the interview. So, you know, obviously we've seen a lot of changes in this space, uh, specifically regarding corporate innovation and how it's kind of morphed or there's a lot of folks looking at startups as a way to kind of engage uh, a new form of, of, of innovation. Can you talk a little bit about what some of the things you're seeing and, and why you kind of wrote the book? Yeah, so um, I'd love to. Uh, you know, first of all, just to give you a, a, a little bit of history for those who aren't that familiar with this whole trend of uh Partnering with startups—it is certainly a hot topic right now. But you know, as as we all know, um, you know, partnering is nothing new, right? We've been doing it since the dawn of time, and 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 uh, you know, it's always been an element of business. Uh, but the open innovation trend, which was uh, you know a term that was coined, I think initially by Henry Chesborough of uh, maybe 12, 15 years ago, um, was in, in some ways kind of the the landmark of when um, open innovation started to become more of a business strategy. Um, it was around the same time that Procter & Gamble started their Connect and Develop initiative, where A.G. Laffley had said that uh, 50% of their innovation was going to come from the outside. So, um, you know, the, the, the quick history of it is, I, is I've sort of lived through it from different perspectives is that um, around that same time, and this is actually was when I left Sunbeam and started my business because I saw this, you know, opportunity on the horizon, that uh, large companies were recognizing that uh, there was too much going on in the outside. The days of, of you know, large staffs of R&D folks doing it all on the inside um, wasn't working anymore, in part because uh, it was getting harder and harder to fund that. And in addition, no matter what these companies were doing, there was just more happening on the outside, and they were still getting disrupted uh, by startups and entrepreneurs who were um, you know, innovating outside of their walls. So, you know, the last 10 to 12 years has been focused on large companies like Procter & Gamble and General Mills and GlaxoSmithKline, uh, who were some of the initial pioneers, to, to now just about every Fortune 500 company and, and many smaller and mid-sized companies are making um, 
uh, open innovation or the idea of partnering with entrepreneurs, inventors, startups on the outside, making that a core part of their strategy. Now, what, what's happened along the way, and this I think has been interesting, is uh, some people have said this open innovation trend um, is sort of tailed off because you don't hear as much about it in terms of the corporate side as much. That I actually think what's going on is it's becoming mainstreamed. It's becoming part of the day-to-day -day business of these companies. And with platforms like Innocentive and um, Idea Connection and um, Yet2 and others, uh, it, it's basically putting that capability on the desktop and giving engineers and, and R&D and even marketers the opportunity to connect uh, directly. So all that kind of brings you up to um, you know, open innovation has gone from this uh, nice to have to must have. Um, but what I really see happening now is companies, especially large companies, recognizing that um, you know what they used to call innovation is now just what it takes to stay in the game. Uh, that uh, the old definition of innovation of new flavors and new iterations of the core product line um, don't really grow the business anymore. No, exactly. The, the idea of that, I think the title yeah. of your Inc. Yeah. article was innovation is not enough and it's no longer enough just to do that incremental, uh, that's just table stakes at this point. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and, and the breakthrough innovations, that's been around for a long time as well, right? It's how these companies began. Uh, but what's changed is that the, the, uh, the, the focus on more breakthrough innovation has become a more core part of the strategy because it's the only way you're going to grow. And, and that's where the rub comes in is it's one thing to work outside with partners to source ideas and technologies to support today's business. But when it comes to you know, reinventing businesses, um, you know, whole new sources of growth, kind of startups within large companies, it's what large companies are terrible at. All the things that make them great at brand building and optimizing and efficient distribution are the exact same things that stand in the way of, of them um, disrupting themselves and, 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 and you know, kind of recreating themselves. And that's, that's where startups really come into their own. Uh, and what I'm promoting in the book is kind of shining a light on the fact that this whole trend is, needs to move and is moving from partnering on the outside for kind of transactional technologies and actually partnering with part with startups and entrepreneurs to co-create co whole new businesses together. Now, it, it's messier and more complex, but it's happening and, it, and it's, it's becoming, um, I think, one of the key ways to actually succeed at the breakthrough innovation because now you're engaging people that do this for a living and know how to do it. They're natural risk takers and uh, know how to pivot and know how to iterate and move quickly. If you can get them into your camp, if you're a corporate person, and or if you're a startup, uh, you know, and looking to uh, to uh, uh, grow a business around, um, you know, an opportunity that might have an, an exit with a corporate, it, it's it's uh, it's it's a it's a brave new world, but um, it's a great opportunity for both. Definitely, definitely. So, what are some of the things that you're seeing in the marketplace? We, we've seen obviously a lot of different ways corporations are trying to, quote unquote, get in the game and try to drink that startup juice, whether it's you know, hackathons or corporate accelerators. There's a tons of different ways that uh, corporations are trying to engage with startups. What are some of the th ways that you're seeing and, and some of the things that are uh, more effective than others out there in the marketplace? Yeah, there, there is a lot going on, isn't there? And uh, I think Steve Blank coined the term um, innovation theater. And I think it's a great way to, to, to look at some of it. What, what's, unfortunately, what's happening is um, too many companies are, are setting up um, innovation outposts in Silicon Valley or... Um, you know, maybe uh, setting up a small incubator uh, in their building or, or, or in one of the geographic hotspots. But, but uh, too many of them are, uh, or I should say too few of them really, are succeeding at that. Right. And so um, I, I would, I guess, shine a light on the fact that uh, just 
going through the motions of connecting to the startups isn't enough. And, and if you look at the companies that are doing it well, and I can tell you stories and give you examples out of the book and elsewhere of, of what com companies that I look to as, as ones doing this well would be companies like Cisco, Johnson & Johnson, uh, to some extent Procter & Gamble, uh, Jarden and others uh, are, 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 are actually getting beyond that um, idea of just um, innovation theater and, and finding ways to be more, um, more engaged and more proactive and, and actually kind of more thoughtful about it. Um, and, and that to me is the difference. It, is, uh, it's easy to kind of go through the motions of the, uh, the connecting. If, if you look at where this breaks down, it's really in uh, not so much in finding the right startups, it's more in how do you um, get the startup to pivot toward what you want and how do you get the parent organization to actually embrace what you're working on and not you know, have the cor corporate antibodies kill it or, or have it just uh, end up as this uh, you know, stepchild that's never really supported. Mm -hmm. and, and so that, that's really what, I, what I'm trying to focus on in the book is to, to uh, shine a light on companies that are doing this well and, and provide some guidance on uh, you know, getting beyond just um, you know, going uh, to a, uh, an accelerator or an uh, incubator and, and uh, helping to coach teams, but actually uh, you know, moving into actual development of, of new businesses with these, uh, with these startups. Yeah, and I think that's, a, that's the most challenging part. I mean, everybody wants to think that, well, we'll just sponsor a Techstars Accelerator or we'll run up, uh, we'll put one together ourselves and then the startups will come and we'll find some great ideas and we'll be all, all solved. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, startups are hard <laughs> and startups are, are even harder when you uh, put in the, the, the corporate environment and the corporate uh, oversight in and around it. So I think that's yeah. where the, the where the rubber meets the road and goes beyond theater is the fact you've got to really roll up your sleeves and actually do something. Yeah, and some of it comes down to, I, I totally agree with that, um, it comes down to, uh, you know, starting with it, it sounds obvious, but but uh, you'd be surprised, you know, what's your end game? What is it you're trying to achieve here? And, and uh, you know, looking at it from the perspective of the corporate um, uh, team, and, and I think it might be valuable to also switch hats and talk about the startup benefits here, but from the corporate perspective, um, you know, if you look at what most of these accelerators are focused on, they're almost all digital, they tend to be digitally focused. They tend to be um, pre-revenue, very early stage um, um, startups, basically an idea with a, with a few entrepreneurs. And um, you, know, you have to ask yourself, what is it you're looking for? Is it that you're looking to just get in the flow of what kinds of technologies are coming in the digital space? Or for example, are we interested more specifically in the internet of things? Or are we looking for things to support our, you know, enable our marketing efforts around uh, e-commerce or contextual um, and location-based um, marketing? Or are we looking for, um, you know, truly uh, creating something that might be a, a, you know, a new business for us? And depending on your answers to those questions, you're going to want to go different directions. But one of the points I see is, you know, people kind of default to partnering with the tech stars of the world. And I think it's, you know, a great thing to do in terms of, if you will, kind of getting into the flow and getting the, some of the vibe of the startup world and hopefully having some of that rub off. But, uh, you know, too often those startups are, uh, you know, if they're not just enabling marketing, they're going to tend to be too early stage for what these companies want to do. And that's what you don't, as a corporate, want to do is, uh, you know, put this effort into uh, helping to, um, you know, solidify an idea. But ultimately, if that startup isn't ready to scale with you, then um, what have you done? Right, for sure. So talk to me a little bit about some of maybe you, you mentioned a couple stories in the book uh, that might illustrate some of the things that you're that you're seeing out there. Uh, talk us through a little bit about what you're seeing and, and some examples of 
companies that are, are doing this well. Yeah, happy to. Now, in the book, I, I talk about um, you know that that this kind of partnering is really um, partnering from the beginning all the way through launch. And often, what companies will do is um, you know figure out what they want to do, maybe look for a technology to enable that, and then and then transact it. Uh, we talk about it in terms of discover, define, incubate, and and integrate. And and the uh, the uh, discover part of this is really about. Um, Engaging with the startup ecosystem to you know look for ideas for your for your uh, your to support your strategy, but also in many ways to get an idea of where some of the disruptive trends might be. Uh, I think of it as uh, canaries in a coal mine. That uh, if you kind of use the startup engagement as a way to understand of of um, you know certain technologies that might be affecting your industry, um, what some of the dominant technologies might be, and, and an earlier indication of when things might be tipping in a, in a direction that's helpful or not. Um, the, the, I guess the part of the process that um, might be most interesting to focus on would be the incubate part. Um, so, you know, discover and define. In the book, I talk about the importance of actually engaging with startups and actually defining the opportunities. Um, but incubation is where you're actually, you know, co-creating something together. And um, in looking at, um, you know, I interviewed 40 plus executives. I've, I've you know, over the years men mentored many startups and, and, and engaged with some uh, accelerators today. But uh, talk to, to people on, uh, on both sides as well as, as the venture capital world. And I, I, the patterns that I saw in terms of how these partnerships were taking place tended to fall into uh, three groups that I, I, I just defined as, um, you know, inside in, inside out, and outside in, uh, which uh, it sounds a lot like your podcast, doesn't it? <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, but the, the, the idea was that there's not one way to do this. Um, what we're looking for, though, is when it comes to um, incubating new, new ventures and, and co-creating with startups, that um, you've got to find the right mix of uh, separation and integration from the corporation. And the, those three in incubation models are ways that companies are trying to do that. And I, I'll give you an example of each, um, with Cisco being one of my prime examples, because I think they're... They're, uh, they're, I think they set the bar in a lot of ways in terms of a large company that's uh, continuing to reinvent itself and, and do it well. Um, so, so one of the things that Cisco understands is that, uh, you know, as innovative as they are, that um, they need to um, basically create these new businesses with some degree of separation from the current business. And, and a couple examples of ways they do that. One is they've got a series of Internet of Everything centers. Now, Internet of Everything is their, uh, their name for the Internet of Things, and, and Cisco has really built their whole growth strategy around that, that focus. And these Internet of Everything centers are places where um, Cisco is uh, putting challenges out, but then once they identify um, startups of interest to them, are bringing them in to co-locate with Cisco teams and, and providing the mentoring and support for um, for periods of time to help them graduate with the hope of then marrying up with the businesses. And that's one of the things that they're doing is filtering those opportunities uh, in line with their strategy. So it's not just about you know, getting into the flow. For them, it's about um, you know, focused areas of interest to them and the business. At various stages? So like, like you mentioned, a lot of accelerators are like idea stage. Yeah. Are, are they looking yeah. at uh, across the spectrum? Yeah, well, they're actually, and I, I can't uh, say this is, uh, you know, the only focus, but I would say predominantly they are looking for things that are, are at that, that um, sweet spot of uh, they're not just an idea. There's something that uh, is, uh, you know, at least past proof of concept. And at the point where once they get through this, uh, this IOE incubation, 
that uh, it's uh, you know somewhat ready to scale. So at that point, then uh, they can run more full-fledged pilots and 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 uh, you know hopefully uh, link them up with the business and and, and go deeper with it. So so that the, so they're looking for things that are you know not so big that it's a pure acquisition, but uh, are big enough that uh, once they they uh, you know incubate with them that uh, they're they're pretty much ready to scale. I'll give you another example of, of something different Cisco's doing, which kind of demonstrates this idea of separation and integration. Uh, I, and I talk about this in the book. Uh, as Cisco was looking to get into um, unified computing systems, they understood that uh, they needed new technology and they needed to do this outside of the core business. So they recruited three um, entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs, two of which had been Cisco employees and actually had been revered engineers there and uh, seated them with $70 million and said, you know, here's what we're trying to do. Um, uh, can, you help, can you create this business with us? And, and these three entrepreneurs with, with some guidance and some touch points with Cisco, but done totally on the outside, um, created this um, business called Nuovo Systems. Uh, within about two to two and a half years, Cisco then bought it back for, I don't remember the exact number, but uh, three or four times that, you know, 250, maybe $300 million. Um, and on the face of it, you say, well, why did they do that, right? They, they paid quite a premium. Why wouldn't they just hire those engineers or do it themselves? In fact, I'll ask you, and then I'll give you my, my two cents on why, why that is. But what do you think? Well, I mean, I think part of it is, like, it's if it didn't work, uh, that, you know, they're only out whatever they put in the, the original yeah, investment, yeah. and so mitigate some of the risk. And, um, again, it gives them an opportunity to, to see and play early uh, with what, what might work, and then they can bring it back when it makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think some of it is absolutely about kind of mitigating your risk a bit. Um, some of it is also a recognition that they can't go fast enough and will um, muck it up by trying to run it through their internal system. So, so that separation they created by um, basically kind of seeding and, and having a, you know, a string attached to someone on the outside gave them that perfect balance of separation to let them be entrepreneurial but integration so that they were somewhat designing it for Cisco's needs and the entrepreneurs, um, you know, seeing that as a, as a nice exit for them. Yeah. You know, inter interestingly, the, that business um, became, a, uh, within the matter of years, a $2 billion um, business for them. So, it, you know, in the end, it was absolutely a smart thing for them to do because they were able to get into that much faster than they could have on the inside. Well, like you said, it kind of moves them away from the, the antibodies that are naturally designed to, to kill new, <laughs> new things yeah. that are... Uh, yeah. going to potentially disrupt the, the existing business. So we only have a few more minutes here, but I, I wanted to ask a little bit. So a lot of our audience is kind of probably new to the innovation space. They're trying to explore and understand what corporate innovation is all about. If you had some words of wisdom for that uh, lone wolf <laughs> who's trying to implement some of these solutions and kind of get connected into the startup world um, and explore startup-driven innovation, what are some of the first things that they should be doing and uh, how should they go about uh, getting uh, connected into this space? Yeah, uh, great, great. And and if you're talking again about these, you know, lone wolves or, or you know, middle level people who uh, you know are are passionate about this and get it, but aren't really in a position to to drive it and and need some support on the inside, um, without a doubt, you can um, you know start to connect um, right away. And one of the easiest things to do actually is that there are a lot of opportunities for um, corporate innovation executives, even at the manager or, um, you know, uh, working level to engage in mentoring startups. So look locally at, at local accelerators, local universities, and, uh, you know, getting involved in Shark Tank events or, um, 
uh, uh, coaching and mentoring of uh, startup contests that might be taking place within your local area or being a mentor at a uh, full-fledged accelerator is a great way to get started because in some ways you need to get um, acclimated to the cadence and the, the, the people and, and you know, um, you know get, understand that world a bit. Um, and that's a great way to do it where you're adding value right away. Uh, the tougher part actually is navigating. You can get passionate and excited about that, but navigating that within the corporate walls and getting other people excited is, is certainly a challenge. Um, one of the things I would say is that uh, you know, running things like innovation challenges is, is, is a great way to go, where if, if you can put together a, um, a problem that's important to the company that has been vexing the, the company, maybe a, an area that the company's already committed to, but has tried and failed internally and elsewhere to get an answer. Um, you know, taking something that uh, you believe that if there was a solution to, that there would be support for it, um, and then uh, stru uh, structuring that as an externally focused uh, challenge or, or, or startup program to get people on the outside innovating on your behalf. Um, because th then you're kind of leveraging um, that creative uh, muscle in a way that's not costing you much of anything and um, doing it in an area that's important to the company. And, and, and getting a couple of quick wins like that is what it takes to get a little bit of momentum. Right. I would say to do this structurally and to make the major changes that you need to, to do this um, at scale does require senior level um, engagement and, and championing this. But um, I, I do believe, and I, and I have a lot of um, love and respect for the people in the middle here who are kind of trying to champion this, um, and they, I know the battle they're up against. Um, if they can create some quick wins and create some successes, um, you know, uh, hopefully they can create that uh, senior level support. Uh, and uh, you know, there's nothing like some quick wins and some some uh, some firsthand experience to get uh, senior level managers more more interested and engaged. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, this has been great, Mike. I appreciate you coming on on our podcast. Uh, in addition to the book Collective Disruption, that's obviously a way they can reach out and find out a little bit about you. Uh, are there other ways that our audience can uh, can interact with you? Uh, yeah, absolutely, and, and I welcome it. Um, uh, you know, Collective Disruptions on Amazon and also at CollectiveDisruption.com. Um, my firm Venture2.com uh, is the website, and um, uh, my Twitter handle is uh, DockertyMIC. So D O C H E R T Y M I C, and uh, would love to connect. And uh, I, I'm passionate as you are about this. Uh, space that's, uh, you know, the intersection of corporate innovation and entrepreneurship. It's a, it's a great place to be. Awesome. Mike, appreciate your time on the Inside Outside Innovation Podcast and look forward to further conversations. Great. Thanks. Thanks. Well, that's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, reach out and let us know uh, what you're thinking. Uh, give us your feedback. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at the IO Podcast. And if you have 30 seconds to spare, please, we'd love to hear from you on iTunes as well. Go over there, review us, uh, give us uh, an opportunity to uh, earn your trust and business, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Till next time, go out and innovate.